Welcome to NFL Friday. I'm Chris Bonchu with Jimmy Sullivan, and we are officially in the month of April. We have moved into draft time territory. A little bit of a, a lull in the National Football League since we've begun the offseason. This is our third edition of NFL Friday in the offseason. You start off with the flurry of offseason moves, free agency, and that's pretty much died down. Now we move into the territory of preparing for the NFL draft on the last Thursday of the month. That's April 29th. And there is a lot in that. There is a lot when you talk about the Jets and the quarterback position. There's a lot with the New York Giants who have done a lot and, and, and seem like they might finally be ready. Uh, Jimmy, a uh, lot to discuss. Certainly so. And this is kind of the time in the offseason, as you said, for agency has mostly transpired to this point, draft at the end of April. This is kind of speculation season. Who, who are the teams going to take? What trades are going to go down? Is there any big shoe that's going to drop between now and draft time? We had kind of a big trade with the draft, which we'll get into later. Uh, a lot of fun speculation right now, although maybe not as much news. Although that doesn't mean the news has stopped, as we will certainly get into over the next few minutes, Chris. And you mentioned that trade. That's the the Niners. They, they strike a deal to move up to Miami's pick at number three, just to a huge deal there. They give up two first round picks and a third round pick in order to move up about nine picks. And, and certainly there's a discussion of whether the Jets should have taken their call and, and done a similar deal. Um, but you know something interesting as we as we get toward the draft, and I'm 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 looking at mock drafts. I have a lot of fun with that. I can't believe that I can't look at Mel Kiper Jr.'s draft. I mean, I, there's the paywall. I don't know if you I don't know if you're an ESPN Plus person. I you know, I, I, I've, I've considered doing it, but they, there are other drafts to look at, but I would like to look at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s board. Now, I'll, let you, I'll let you borrow my account. Oh, you if, do have it. Yeah, yeah I'll, get, I'll shoot it to you after the show. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's, a, that's a little corrupt, but maybe, maybe, we, will, maybe we will do that uh, because he does have the best ideas. But, but it seems like, for all intents and purposes, that the, the stock is, is here now, at least at the beginning of April, and things can change, that – the Jets are going to strike for Zach Wilson at number two, no matter where you're looking, whether it's Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay or somebody else. That seems to be the expectation. You're a Jet fan. I'm a Jet fan. Your thoughts on Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback? Yeah, I think it's interesting. You you talk about Zach Wilson and, and the Jets and what they decide to do. And I was thinking about this when I was – watching his pro day and obviously very smitten with how he looked. Uh, obviously it's not the best indicator of how quarterback's going to play, but I think there's concerns about, you know, who BYU played last year, who uh, Zach Wilson went up against in terms of pass rush and pass coverage. But I do think that there is uh, something to be said for where the jets are right now, organizationally. Right, you've got a new head coach in Robert Sala. You've got Joe Douglas really trying to make his imprint on this organization. And, and I think if there is a time to blow up what what you were doing as an on-field product, it's now. And, and Zach Wilson would certainly do that for you. And I, I know that you're trying to figure out, okay, where does Sam Darnold fit exactly you know, in the NFL, basically. That's a problem for Sam Darnold. And I do feel bad for him because there's no obvious destination really anymore for Sam Darnold. You know, Pittsburgh's out the window. Chicago's got Andy Dalton. The Colts trade of Carson Wentz. Sam Darnold's not going to be – there's no obvious destination for him. 
That being said, if you were to, to figure out a time where you say, hey, let's draft a new quarterback, let's go all in on this you know, new era, if you will, I think now's the time to do it. And I think if you're going to do it at two, you do it with Zach Wilson. And I think the fact that the Jets did not trade this pick or look to trade this pick, it seems like, because you have to imagine the 49ers called the Jets about number two if, if they traded up to number three. The fact that the 49ers struck this deal with the Dolphins and not the Jets tells you that the Jets want to stay there. And you're not going to stay at two to take Panay Sewell. As much as I like him, you're staying at two to draft a quarterback. And yeah. it's going to be Zach Wilson, I think. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think there, there's no better indicator of what they're thinking than that because the Niners offered a, a some package to move up to three. You know, and, and the Jets don't expect to be – this high in the draft again, they certainly hope that they won't be at number two again. So that being said, this is your chance to get a quarterback. And I don't think any Jet fan believes that the franchise quarterback is Sam Darnold anymore. I mean, as much as I want to have hope, I, I, I have a, a great deal of empathy for the, the locker rooms that he had to deal with, which didn't include any support um, and were led by bad head coaches. So, you know, I, I, I give him the pass, and I think he may have success somewhere else, but it just probably can't be here, um, not with the Jets drafting at number two. And not, you know, the, the other thing is that do you trade him? Because I, I don't know that you do. That You, you could maybe um, try to have your cake and eat it here and keep Sam Darnold and potentially even let him start the season and put Zach Wilson on the bench, 21 years of age. Uh, you don't traditionally do that with someone that you drafted number two, but maybe the Jets should try to change the playbook on that because they did it with Donald. They threw him right into the fire. His first throw in the National Football League, I think we all remember, a pick six. Um, and, and it didn't go so well out of the gate. So maybe you do uh, keep Donald in the program. Maybe having Zach Wilson on the bench gives him some kind of energy where all of a sudden – there is stock to trade him next season. But right now, I don't know that you're going to get a lot. Um, who's going to – maybe somebody gives you a third-round pick, takes a flyer, but I don't think anyone's giving you a top 50, top 60 pick. And with that being the case, even if he walks in free agency next year, you get the third-round um, compensation pick. So you really have to do better than a third-round pick to be intrigued. So – Perhaps you do both. Perhaps you hold on to Sam Darnold and you draft Zach Wilson. I think there's some precedent for that. I mean, I think about some of the picks last year. You know, Justin Herbert on the Chargers didn't start the season. Tyrod Taylor punctured his lung or something like that in week two. They started Herbert. He was amazing. He kept the job. Tua Tagovailoa did not start right away in Miami. He was the second quarterback taken last year. The, the difference here, I think, is that you had – veteran presences in both of those cases, right? Tyrod Taylor has been around the block a time or two. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know, has, has played for half the teams in the NFL, basically, at this point. So Sam Darnold's not that. Now he's in his walk year, and, and I, I get that. And if he shows you something great, uh, it's such a tough situation, too. Because everyone at gut level probably knows that the Jets – Staying at two means they're going to take a quarterback, and taking a quarterback at two is absolutely the right decision. But, you know, you've got a, a depleted market for Darnold and, uh, you know, a, a guy who, let, let's also be real here, like this scheme that the Jets have now with Mike LaFleur, the new offensive coordinator, this West Coast scheme, suits Sam Darnold pretty well. 
you know, it, it capitalizes on kind of what he is able to do, right? Roll out of the pocket, short to medium throws. That's kind of what Sam Darnold's good at. And, and this is a scheme where he could be really successful. But you also have to weigh the, the idea of, hey, do we like this kid and Zach Wilson better? I, I think you're inclined to say that. And I think, look, you could stick with Sam Darnold all you want. The roster around him is still not very good. You know, they got weapons, but I, I don't think this is anything beyond a five- or six-win team next year. I'd be surprised if they did more. So you also have to think about Darnold and say, well, are we helping him by putting him out there for 16 games? If he plays well, yeah, because then he becomes a free agent, obviously. But is, is it beneficial for him to, to say, oh, we're going we're gonna to stick with him for one more year and then leave him twisting in the wind again? I don't, I don't know if it is. And I think, you know, if the Jets are not going to draft a quarterback, they need to trade down from two because there's such a market for QBs this year. I mean, the top four picks are probably going to be quarterbacks. Yeah, like everyone's dying to get somebody at quarterback, whether that's, you know, Lawrence, who's going to go one to the Jaguars, Wilson, who's probably the second best quarterback, even down to the fields, Lance, even Mac Jones from Alabama, who we'll probably get into later. Like, there is a huge market for quarterbacks. If the Jets stay at two and take Panay Sewell out of Oregon, to me, that's a mistake. But we'll see what winds up happening. I mean, I have a fair amount of trust in Joe Douglas, but we need to see what they do with this pick. My guess is still that it would be Wilson. You know, I, I, I don't think that there's any scenario where you're not drafting a quarterback at number two. Um, the Niners just traded up to number three, and presumably they will be happy with the third best quarterback in this draft, with, which may be Mac Jones, maybe Justin Fields. We don't know. Um, but they've made the calculation that we're going to get the third best guy on the board, and we're still happy with that position. So you can pitch your pick as you're going to get the second choice, and I'm pretty sure you know who the second choice is because we know who's going number one, Trevor Lawrence, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let, let me go to Deshaun Watson because this is – um, talk about just a, a, a narrative that couldn't have shifted more, which was um, he was uh, he was the biggest thing in New York, the biggest thing in New York sports radio, and you couldn't miss him if you were the Jets. Now, nobody wants to touch him, and rightfully so. As far as we know, 21 allegations of sexual harassment, um, of inappropriate behavior with women, and this is uh, this is just jarring news. Um, a guy who had a great reputation, not just on the field, but off the field. Um, and we, we find this, unfortunately, very, very often with, with people who are powerful um, and successful. And so Deshaun Watson is, is, is added to that list. And at this point, um, on the football side, he can't even be considered an option for the New York Jets, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and look – some accountability here. Like I was totally one of those people in January and February. And I was sitting there and I was saying, get this guy, get this guy, get this guy all costs, no matter what. And now we're sitting here, we're looking at it and you know, one, you can't. And and I I think one of the narratives that's really bothered me here around this whole case is people on Twitter say, Oh, well the the Texans are setting him up because I think the, the lawyer, for these women who's filing the lawsuit, who is, let's be honest, a bit of a showman, um, is you know, friends with the, the owner or, or something like that. Look, you could have your own kind of um, thoughts about 
how exactly this has played out and the timing of it, which is, I, I guess, valid. But at some point, you know, you have this number of accusations and this number of women coming forward. And in addition to that, you have a, a woman who spoke to Sports Illustrated earlier in the week who provided a very detailed account of how Deshaun Watson was just a, a really sick human being, quite frankly, towards her. And I, I just I can't believe that there would be this many. I mean, it's not even really a debate at this point. Like this is this is absurd. And I, I'm sorry for all the women. It seems like what I've read mostly uh, massage therapists, masseuses, you know, people in that industry, um, which seems like kind of a, a thankless industry to begin with. And, th- and then you have to deal with this, but. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation and something that's just very beyond repair. And Deshaun Watson's going to continue to defend himself, and that's fine. But, you know, in the beginning of this, I was sitting there saying, well, you know, is is this legitimate? Is it not? Let's see how it plays out. Um, but but it's harrowing, quite frankly. And, you know, you, you, people are debating all they want. Oh, well, the people are filing civil suits and not going to criminal court. I'm not really focused on that. I mean, you just focus on the behavior of Deshaun Watson here. And if he's eventually exonerated, then look, I mean, that that's a heck of a conspiracy, quite frankly, against him. But I, I just have a, a hard time believing that. And and this is a, a, a guy who now has to sit there and, you know, evaluate his options. He's probably not going to be out of Houston now. Um, and it's, 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 it's just uh, a, a really sad situation what he did to these women and and as a byproduct of that what he has now done to himself and there's a very good chance that the houston texans maybe i'm speculating here but that they that they were aware of these allegations for far longer than any of us um and of course it was in their interest while he was their their quarterback in the face of their franchise um to not to not reveal that um, or, or to make sure that that stays uh, tight to the chest. And then uh, as soon as it became plausible that he would leave Houston, these allegations come out. I, I am no conspiracy theorist, and, and I, I wouldn't even want to submit a theory. But there, there is, you know, the timing is strange. Um, but but I, I completely believe the allegations. It's just a matter of um, how these NFL teams have postured themselves during this process. The Texans, though, if, 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 if they thought that this would benefit them in the sense that, okay, nobody wants to touch Deshaun Watson now, well, now you have a quarterback who is toxic, and I don't know that he can lead a locker room. I don't know that he's respected. Probably shouldn't be. So um, with that being said, they, they may have shot themselves in the foot if uh, they have anything to do with this. But, but then again, that, that, we don't know that, so I shouldn't speculate. But – um, in, in any case, Deshaun Watson went from the hottest thing in New York um, to, you know, the coldest, and, and, and that's where we are. Um, let's go to the New York Giants, because the Giants, uh, they strike. They get Kenny Galladay. They're going to get Saquon Barkley back. Um, this feels like the year that they need to take that big step, Jimmy. I think there are a lot of expectations for it. My Giant fans' friends are ecstatic and they are eager to see winning football. And and in my view, they should be in my view, they should expect this Giants team to be good. I am not sure if that will happen, 
I, I think there are a lot of question marks and, and chiefly at the quarterback position, but there is a bit of a mandate for this Giants team, I think, in 2021. I, I think there's also a mandate for Daniel Jones. Uh, I think that's a big part of it as well. You just referenced it. And, you know, I, I was thinking about what the Giants have done, right? They get Kenny Galladay. Saquon Barkley is going to be back, as, as you said. They got a Dory Jackson for the defense, which will be a really interesting one-two combo with him and James Bradbury, who had an awesome year last year. And you look at the Giants team, you're thinking, yes, they should be better. At the same time, and of the same token, you know, their offensive line was such a huge issue last year, the entire way. And you can't, there's, there's a limit on how much you can do offensively if the offensive line stinks. And look, they, they've made some flashy moves, and I think it could help them. You know, a guy like Kenny Galladay is really good. A guy like Adore Jackson is really good. But if Daniel Jones doesn't have time to throw, it doesn't matter. And they tried to fix the offensive line in 2020. They, they picked Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. That didn't really pan out. And now they're looking at it and they're saying, all right, well, we're going to make flashy moves, but I don't know what meaningful ways they've had to address the offensive line. I don't think they have. And I think that's going to hinder them unless they find a way to address that in the draft. Who knows? But I, I don't think they've tangibly improved this offensive line enough to the point where I can sit there and I could say, you know what? This is a team I feel confident with. Because right, right now, I mean, it's a better offense and maybe even a better defense, but just team-wise, overall, I, I still think that's a glaring weakness. We saw it in the Super Bowl, right? Patrick Mahomes had no time to throw. That really hurt their entire offense. And I, I worry that the Giants could be going down a similar path. Yeah, I, I think I think there are a lot of question marks with the offense. They, they, they're they going to want to be a run-first offense when Saquon Barkley is in the mix. So you're talking about a completely different offense, Um when he returns than the one we saw this past year in his absence. So what does that mean for the passing game? It probably frees up the passing game. It probably makes it a little bit easier to protect the quarterback, but I agree with you. It's a huge concern. I'm concerned about Daniel Jones's ability to throw the football and uh, his ability to hold on to the football. The fumbling problem cannot be uh, thrown under the rug as a small concern. Uh, at this point, it's a real concern. Uh, so the giants have to be concerned about that. I have to ask the question if Jason Garrett is the right guy to run this offense. He just doesn't have a good track record and he's not well liked. Um, so that's a concern. Um, so I, I don't think the Giants are a slam dunk. I, there, there's a lot of reason for optimism here. Don't get me wrong. They're in a far better position than the New York Jets are. Um, the Leonard Williams signing is enormous. So they should be potent on defense. They really should be. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good energy around the head coach, Joe Judge. So I don't want to sit here and bash them, but I also want to sort of temper our expectations and, and not talk about the Giants like they're a shoe in nine or ten win team uh, right to the playoffs. I think it may take a little bit more than that. Yeah, and the NFC East is a big part of why we're even having this conversation. The Washington football team win it at seven and nine last year. They're probably going into the year with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback. You know, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles, who are going to be terrible. They have a bad roster. They you know, have a new head coach who does not inspire confidence. You've got, let's see, the Dallas Cowboys. All right, They've got Dak Prescott back. That's a big plus. Is Mike McCarthy the guy down there? Again, big question. So 
it's there to be had for the Giants, and it'll probably be there to be had with eight or nine wins, if we're being honest. The the question is, can the Giants go get that? And, you know, you you think about them last year and, and the last month of the season, Daniel Jones came back and he was hurt, and defenses teed off, couldn't protect himself. So that was obviously concerning. I, I think they've got the right head coach, as you said, but is is Jason Garrett the guy for this offense? And to me, probably not, because this was a team that the last month of the year last year and really the whole season but when they were successful towards the end of the year they were winning with defense right like their offense was not convincing at all i think they scored 19 against cincinnati i want to say and 17 against seattle like and not even that they were necessarily playing great defenses every week they just couldn't get it done so there's a fair amount of speculation to be had as to whether or not jason garrett is the guy for this offense, I will say, though, in fairness, as we were talking about earlier, he gets a full season, hopefully, of Saquon Barkley. He gets, you know, Kenny Galladay, who's a big weapon on the outside. They've got, hopefully, they can figure it out with Evan Ingram, one of the most frustrating players to watch in the league, quite frankly. And I had him on my fantasy team last year, too, so that, did, that didn't help. But, you know, it, it, it's... It's tough to see, but you sit there and you say, oh, well, the Giants aren't a playoff-caliber team. Yeah, but you don't need to be a playoff-caliber team to win the NFC East. So could it be done? Yeah, it could be done. Uh, my, my issue is when they run up against some of these great defenses and great pass rushes, can Daniel Jones either protect himself or make enough plays uh, against those teams? And I think that's the question. And look, this is a guy who's 8-18 eight and 18 as a starting quarterback. He's got a lot to prove this year. And I think this is the year they're going to have to say, okay, is Daniel Jones our guy, yes or no? And are we any closer to answering the question? I don't even know if we necessarily are. So a lot to learn, and he's got genuine weapons now, and this is the year where you sit there and say, he's, he's either our guy or he's out the door. And that'll be an interesting question to watch. I think it is his make-or-break year. The Giants draft at 11, um, and, and they're not on the market for a quarterback at, at this point this year. The team that is that drafts behind them is the Patriots at number 15. They draft, uh, they, they are searching for a quarterback in all likelihood. I, I don't think that they are committed to Cam Newton. So some speculation that there could be a swap there um, if it suits the, the Patriots. And maybe they end up with someone like Justin Fields, who seems like his stock has just kind of trickled down after um, after the playoff. And, and, and now he's in a position where maybe he's sort of on the periphery of, of the top 10. And you mentioned the divisions. I, I think in the Giants division, it's pretty cut and dry what we're looking at. The Cowboys should be a threat with Dak Prescott back, but you just never know with the Cowboys, and you never know, especially under Mike McCarthy. Um, and beyond that, it's sort of probably the Giants would be the next best team. In uh, the AFC East, the Bills are the best team in that division, and it's not really close. But I, I tell people all the time, I mean – you just can't count out this Patriots team. They may go from 15 to 11. They might do something else. They might end up with a, with a true quarterback. And, and if that's the case, then you can just forget about it and, and, and put all they, they failed to do in, in this season out the window. They're, they're automatically a threat yet again. They, they also spent a lot of money. I mean, that, that was yeah. the big issue that they had the last couple of years that Brady was there was that they weren't spending – the money to make the roster better like 
Tom Brady was still really good at the end of his time with the Patriots. And, and look, we saw that with the Buccaneers this year. He's still got something left to give. And this roster was cap floor level. Like it was not very good at all. And frankly, that's kind of what they gave Cam Newton last year. And they got beset by injuries. I think it's leading receiver was Jacoby Myers. I mean, that's not going to work. And, and Jacoby Myers not to be con- confused with the law firm, but you know, this is, uh, he, they need to get him some weapons. They got Hunter Henry. They got Johnny Smith. They've got, what Belichick likes, which is that two tight end system where you've got a couple of big targets that Cam Newton can throw. I think it's beneficial for Cam Newton as well, because that's kind of how he was successful. Some of his best years in Carolina was thrown to the likes of, of Greg Olson, for example, having a really good big tight end that he could throw to. So yeah, it's a make or break year for him. I could see them taking a guy maybe not necessarily in the first round, but taking a quarterback who would be a project, if you will. Because I think Cam Newton's probably the guy for them for this year. You know, they signed him to a one-year deal. It's another kind of prove-it contract for him, and then we'll see. So I could see them taking a guy to sit behind him to kind of learn the system and say, okay, we'll give you the reins in 22. We know you're not ready to play right now, but we have faith in you that you will be down the road. So that's the direction I could see the Patriots going. Could I have seen them getting up into this fray at the top four or five? Yeah, I could have. But I I think at this point, for their interests, they could stay down at 15 and look for potential quarterback targets in day two, for example. You know, could they go out and if Kyle Trask from Florida, for example, were to fall to them, could they take them? Yeah, maybe. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what the Patriots end up doing there. But at the end of the day, they go out, they spend a lot of money. And I was sitting there watching them do this. And as much as I hate the Patriots and you hate the Patriots too, I was sitting there and I was like, finally, it took them a couple of years to do that. And they didn't give Cam Newton good enough support last year. They're trying to give him that this year. I like what they've done, and I think they should have a better year. Whether or not it's good enough to get them into the playoffs, that remains to be seen. But I think they they have a much better shot at it now than they would have last year. I, I myself did not say finally. I I, I don't <laughs> I don't often cheer at uh, good good stuff for the for the Patriots. But you're right. I mean, whether it's day two or or day three, we know that they have success getting quarterbacks. Had to work in the Patriots into the podcast uh, for anybody interested in New York football, they, they matter. So that's the Patriots. We did a little jets. We did a little giants. The speculation will only ramp up in the weeks to come as we approach draft day on Thursday, April 29th. So stick with us on WFUV sports for all the updates as we, we come along and see what the jets decide to do at quarterback. We will have it all for you here with Jimmy Sullivan. I'm Chris Boccia. This is an edition of NFL Friday, a production of WFUV sports.